Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. We're going into the word. And Lord willing, you're going to be challenged. I'm challenged. I'm challenged every time I come into this portion of scripture. It's the very end of 2 Corinthians. And the Lord chose last week to make sure that we were going to spend a little bit of time on these couple verses by themselves. And... um. And it's an important passage that we're going to be looking at. And that ask yourself the question, you know, have I really, honestly, truly chosen to follow Jesus? There's a whole lot of people, a whole lot of people who call themselves Christians. But I'm always mindful of the, the church of Antioch. It was the church of Antioch where they were first called Christians. It wasn't the first church where they called themselves Christians. It was the first church where they were labeled. They were stigmatized. They were frowned upon. They were made fun of as little Christs because they were following the teachings of Christ. Sadly, we've got to tell too many people we are. They don't look at us and just know it. Of course I'm a Christian. You couldn't tell? That's a sad moment. We have been going through this epistle of Paul to the Corinthians, his second epistle to them. And for me, I've seen the the common theme of afflictions. Paul even talks about that as we got to toward this end part here about his afflictions. We'll see this real quick in our review. But we have moved um, at this end part oops, toward the defense of the ministry um, that Paul begins talking about um, spiritual warfare in chapter 10 and in through 10, 11, 12, and 13. And now as he comes into these final, final chapters, he transitions it into defending his ministry. And the reality is, as we looked at this, we realized, or you should realize, that each of you are in a ministry. I think that we have professionalized the ministry wrongly, and that everybody looks at, this is Bob's church, this isn't Bob's church, this is Christ's church. I'm not saying we're the only church of Christ in in the Augusta area, but this is his. It's not mine. It's not yours. He's given us the privilege to be a part of it. And he has brought to us who he sought to bring together so that we can minister to one another and we can glorify him as one unit, as one body. But in our professionalization of the position of pastor, we have forgotten that each of us really are called into a ministry. My job purely is to, to help guide and teach, to lead you and to teach you into the work of the ministry. Yeah. And so we all have this ministry. And when you seek to engage yourself in this work of the ministry, you will find out that you will receive opposition, spiritual opposition. And, um, and I hear that a lot from people, um, that... Um, I know a pastor in Pittsburgh um, who has had a lot of struggles, family-wise and otherwise. 
he's very evangelistic, very evangelistic. And so there's a continual battle and a struggle and fight against him to, to stop him from doing what he's doing. And so when you are overtly seeking to serve the Lord, you overtly then engage in a spiritual war, and Satan wants to stop you. So I want to encourage you that afflictions aren't a negative, and that's where Paul starts with all this, that through our, the afflictions, we get to experience the parakaleo, and we'll talk about this word again, the parakaleo, the encouragement, the exhortation, the comfort, the consolation of Christ, of God, in order that we might turn around and be that to others. It was kind of exciting, again, being in watching my mom and my dad and my sister as they go through this affliction, ministering to neighbors and um, being able to use this as a, a tool, as a foundation. They're struggling. Um, and even online, my sister, you know, with her social media stuff. And so, um, so I just want to encourage you that afflictions aren't a negative. They're a positive, though we see them as negative. But if we look at things from the perspective of God, they're, they're positives. As we look into this part of the defense of the ministry then, we saw how Paul began this by defending his call. And he talked about the standard of our ministry, standard of ministry for him, was Christ himself. That, and he comes back to this as well later on, as we saw last week, that, that really it all goes back to Christ and who he is, his humility, his headship, that Christ is all in all, and that in his ministry he wants to be able to serve under him and to represent Christ the best he can. The sphere of the ministry was whoever God places in his path. That's the same thing for you and I. The summation of the ministry ultimately then is whether we know God ourselves and whether we are using our life to represent him, um, to serve him. He then moved into his credentials and he talked about um, who he was and he tested uh, his credentials by his devotion to them. But he put that in contrast to, in comparison to, those who were the false ministers. Remember those from, first, from chapter 11? The, um, the, uh, those who were serving Satan, they were um, <clears throat> workers of the devil who were transforming themselves into works, workers of righteousness, but whose end shall be according to their, their deeds, their works, right? And so Paul, then, in his contrast to them, again, this is a reminder to us, for us to remember, when we see this in, in pastors, again, I'm not the judge, but, but God told us to be discerning of the spirits, right? And so when I see someone who in seeking to enslave believers in legalism, there ought to be a what? A flag that goes up. Wait a second. You know, Christ came to give us what? Freedom, liberty, grace. We have to follow the law. They seek to devour their resources. If you just send me in your gifts, God will bless you. You know? I mean, and then they live in their big houses and their mansions, you know? And so I'm not saying that you can't live in big houses and stuff, but I just find it very interesting when you got guys that are all worried about coming in and just taking in the resources of, of people, okay? They're seeking to devour the resources of the believers. They're seeking to divide the true church, okay? Again, we're not the only true church in Augusta, okay? But we serve what, and do what God wants us to do. We seek to tr teach the truth, right? But there are others who come in, <clears throat> and I've seen them, who will come into a church and seek to divide the church, and take a following after themselves, okay? 
that's a red flag. If someone is seeking to have people follow them, there's a red flag. Okay? Now, I get that. I get that. Okay? It's a struggle for me to continually pray on that. I mean, because that's, I don't want to be prideful. You know? I don't want to feel like people have to follow me in order to know truth. Jesus said it was profitable for the believers for him to leave because after he left, he would do what? Anybody remember? He would send the Comforter, the Holy Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and the job of the Holy Spirit was to do what? To lead them into all truth. Okay? So here's the deal. You don't need me to lead you into all truth. God can use the Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth. There's a function for me. I get that. Okay, I'm not diminishing the roles that God places in the church, but the fact is that, that the guidance in the truth is the purview of God himself. Okay? He chooses to use whatever means he wants to. Okay? They seek to exalt themselves. They seek to intimidate believers into obeying them. So when you're out there and you're listening to radio preachers or TV preachers or whatever, if you're moving on from here and you're going on to other places and stuff like that and you're looking for churches, just remember those things. If you start to see any one of those fives blowing up, you've got to have red flags that maybe there's a problem here. Um, Paul said then his devotion, his, his credentials were tested by his afflictions. Again, who would do this if it wasn't real, Right? And he went through all the third heaven. We talked about that, about the third heaven being the actual residence of God, okay? And so he said, whether in the... Humble him. And so Paul said he asked three times for that to be removed from him. But, but the Lord's response was, my grace is sufficient. For I am made strong, my strength is made perfect in weakness. That as we are weak, his strength is revealed. I'm continually reminded of that when I was doing the home remodeling work. And so he did that again this week to me as I'm putting in hand grab bars for my, for my dad, for my mommy and dad, for, but for my dad. I mean, I'm just like a duck out of water, you know, and here I am, and I'm with a stud finder, and, you know, I'm trying to find studs, and I mean, it's like it's going off, and I know they're not there, and it's like, I'm, put, I'm setting it on this stand, and, it, and it's like... This is nuts. This is just nuts. And I'm just praying, 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 and you draw a hole in the tile and there's no stud, you know. And, um, yeah, it's not a good feeling. And, and I'm just, I'm like, oh, Lord, this is not me. And I, but you can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I need your wisdom again and again and again. The grab bars are up, and nobody's falling. <laughs> and so praise God for that. I mean, God gave me wisdom on how to anchor them and stuff like that. And so um, just it's an amazing thing, but that's got to be our prayer. Whatever, God, you want to accomplish in me, not my will, but yours be done. And if it's in my weakness that you will be exalted, then, Lord, give me the grace to be able to move forward with this weakness that you are exalted. Today, or see, last week, last week we see today, because we're starting the last section, but we started it last week, so this is just the second half of that. So last week we began this last section, and that is dealing with um, Paul's challenge to the, um, to the Corinthians. And he begins this challenge to them to, to check themselves, to check their genuineness, 
by revealing his genuineness or giving, again, another testimony to his genuineness, okay? And that word genuineness is, is the key term that we're going to be looking at today when we get to chapter 13 here, okay? And so Paul said um, he revealed it in his dedication to them. He was coming now for the third time. He never got there, but he was planning on it, okay? Um, his motivation, he says, I don't seek yours like those false ministers who just want what, what you own, right? But rather, I seek you. That's the mind of Christ. Um, seeking to edify them, okay, to parakaleo, and then revealed in his representation among them, he emulated the best he could the mind and ministry of Christ. And that's where that full circle comes, where um, he goes back to this, his calling, and that is that it's built upon the foundation of the ministry of Christ. And so he said, look, this is my desire, is just to emulate Christ the best I can. But now we come to chapter 13, and Paul is going to um, point it right at them um, as far as their genuineness. And so quickly, we want to we look at this. And I want to read beginning at verse 1, since we didn't read it again today. And I want to read just chapter 13. You can stay seated. Okay? Paul begins, verse 1, says, This will be the third time I am coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. I have told you before, and foretell, as if I were present the second time, and now, being absent, I write to those who have sinned before, and to all the rest, that if I come again, I will not spare. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak towards you, but mighty in you, for though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God, for we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified or disgenuine, ungenuine. But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified or ungenuine. Now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable, though we may seem disqualified. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. And we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. In this also we pray that you may be made complete. Therefore, I write these things being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification." and not for destruction. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And all the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Now, we're not going to get to that very end part. I know it. We're not going to get to verse 14, so I want to share it right now. Another testimony of what? The triunity of God. Isn't that kind of cool? Okay. So, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son, the love of God, the Father, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. There are so many testimonies to the triunity of God that are in his word that people just have to willfully reject it. So, Paul um, is challenging now the believer, regarding their genuineness. Their genuineness. And so we have this, this word 
that we're going to be looking at. A couple words that come up through here. And first of all, we have this word. This is coming from 1 Peter 1. I'm going to read this in a moment. But the word periosmos, okay? So if you've been here long enough, you've heard me talking about periosmos in the past, okay? A periosmos is a troubling situation, okay? So when we get to James 1, we'll probably have to fly through it. But in James 1, it comes out really well. Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' trials. Periosmos, periosmoi, okay? But then in verse 12, it goes on and says, Blessed is a man who endureth temptation. Well, that's the same word, periosmoi, okay? A periosmos is either is a troublesome situation. It can be a trial or a temptation. It's like a, a, a coin, you know, it's, which side of the coin is it on? And so it is a troublesome situation. How you respond to the troublesome situation revealed what it was to you. The troublesome situation comes in and you deck the guy. More than likely, I would say that was a temptation, okay? That, that revealed sin in you at that moment. Does it make sense? But I'm riding down the road. I'm minding my own business. I'm singing praise songs. I'm going through the, the green light. But you didn't see that it was from your angle a red light, and you just messed up my praise song. And, and I get out of the car, and I... Praise the Lord. Right? At that moment, it revealed what? Faith. My faith. It was just a trial of my faith. It revealed Christ in me at that moment. Does it make sense? So whatever troublesome situation, afflictions, think afflictions that are coming. Afflictions continually come in your life. But those afflictions are kind of like the, the heat that are, 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 are causing, the sil causing the silver to, 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 to bubble, right? And to, and to heat up. And, and when the silver is, is, is heat up, what happens? It doesn't just melt, but what happens? The dross comes up. That's right, and that's how they purify it, okay? So, so that's what's going on. So the my life, and it's either going to reveal the good or the bad in there, okay? So, but then we come to this word, dokimatso. Let's see. There we go. Dokimatso, okay? And dokimas, so dokimion, okay? Dokimatso, and the word dokimas, okay? Those are all related Greek words. The word dokimas, okay? is the, the idea of something being tried and found genuine. It's the idea of an assayer. So let's go back to that uh, silver or maybe to, so let's use gold because in the, in the Wild West days, right, they always had their gold rush, but many people didn't find gold. They found fool's gold. Say it again. Iron pyrite. That's exactly right. Okay? They didn't find the gold. They found something that was a fake, that was false. And yet they thought they struck it rich. And so it's like the woman who walks around with the big gem on, and everybody is ooing and eyeing over this nice gem that she has until one day the jeweler comes by, and he says, Madam, that's an exquisite rock. May I take a closer look? And she says, oh, but of course. And he pulls out of his pocket the little monocle, you know, and he looks at it and he says, Madam, that is the finest specimen of cubic zirconium I've ever seen. The point is, it's a what? A fake. Everybody else thought she had a nice big rock, you know, diamond on. But in the eyes of the true judge, it was found to be a fake. So this word dokimos 
you have been assayed, you have been tried, and you have been found genuine. The word adakamas, so in the Greek, the, le, the alpha, the a, so us, okay, the alpha one put in the front, it makes it a not. So dakamas is genuine, adakamas is not genuine, okay? And that's what you're going to see in 2 Corinthians 13. When he says disqualified, it's adakamas. So you're the dakamas or you're adakamas. And this is just plain out. This is, this is where the challenge comes, y'all. In the end, one day, you're going to die. I don't know how to say it. Is anyone else straighter? In the end, one day, you're going to die. It's going to happen to every one of us. And at that moment, after you die, the ultimate jeweler is going to know whether you were a diamond or a cubic zirconium. He already knows it. But at that moment, it's going to be revealed to you. Does that make sense? You're either real, know Christ, and he knows you, or you don't. And sadly, there's a lot of people, I think, walking in our world today that think they are, but they're not. And I'm glad God's God, and he's the judge. He knows the heart. I don't know the heart. But my prayer is for every one of you and everyone who ever comes into the, the sphere of my influence, if you would, that I, they would be challenged to make sure that they know Christ and that they're found in him, not having their own righteousness, which is of the law, but that they are found in him having his righteousness by faith, by grace, and that they are pursuing impressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. This passage here, we then see Peter share the same thing that Paul is sharing with them in verses 3 to 9. And you can, it's on the screen, and for those, you can read it there. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. How exciting is that, huh? Look at the next little quip. Reserved in heaven for you. Think about it. You got to come to church right now, right? You got to you got to email Steve for a what? Reservation. <laughs> so you come to church. If you know Jesus, your name's already in the reservation book. He's already got the table waiting for you. In fact, he said, he says, look, if you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you. And now I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I'm done preparing that place, I'm going to come back and receive you unto myself. So that where I am, there you may be also. How cool is that? It's reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. We don't keep ourselves. If it was up to me, I'd be lost over and over and over and over again. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have grieved. This is our word, lupeo, that we saw back in chapter 2. 
sorrow. Remember, it was all this sorrow. This is our same word, okay? That you've been sorrowed or grieved by various trials, periosmoi, that the genuineness, dakamas, of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested, dakimatso, by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full glory, receiving the end, telos. I put that up there because that's the same word that Jesus talked about, telolestai, you know, it is finished. This is the end, the completion Okay? Receiving the end, the completion, the perfection of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is exciting stuff. When is all this, when, when is this genuineness revealed? When is your genuineness ultimately revealed? Say again, Phil. When you're tried and tested. Okay? So it's revealed here, tried and tested, right? But ultimately, when is it going to be revealed? When you die. When you die. Hebrews 3 says the same thing. It's when you die, you're going to be there. It's going to be revealed. But it's what's going on right now that confirms it for you. It's those afflictions that you go through. It's the testing as by fire that you go through. And all of a sudden, you don't think like the world anymore. Years ago, I would have decked you. But now I say, can we pray together? That's not of me. I remember, when, again, when I was driving truck in... Um, and I found that you guys, I mean, I know many of you heard the story before, so I'm not going to, I'll try to make it short. But when my size 10 foot found the size 11 hole between the bumpers of my truck and the bumpers of the, of the, of the dock, and I went straight on down, you know, and it's like, and then only to about this far, you know, until all of a sudden your leg can't go any further. And then, then poised back up, and I started singing a praise song. And um, anyways, the guy who drove the forklift later got saved, and he told me, we, in front of my house, actually, is where he got saved. It was kind of cool. Anyways, and he told me that was the day that he knew everything I was teaching him, everything I kept telling him was true. Say again? Was genuine. Was real. Was true. He said, I says, I wouldn't have heard that coming out of anybody else working there. <laughs> and so my comment to him was, well, that wasn't me. That was purely of the Lord. Does it make sense? Because in my flesh, I probably was thinking a whole lot of other stuff. But by God's grace, he allowed me to go through that one affliction in a way that God knew that guy needed to see. Does it make sense? I didn't know it until months later, but I know that's why I missed that day. Does it make sense? There was a reason I went through that affliction at that moment. It wasn't just to be humbled in myself. It was so that this guy could hear or be confirmed in the gospel. Um, James 1, then, um, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, periosmoi, knowing that the testing, dokimion, of your faith produces patience. And then down in verse 12, as I shared earlier, blessed is the man who endures temptation, periosmoi, for when he has been approved, dokimos, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, periazzo, that's the verb form of that, I am tempted, periazzo, by God. For God cannot be periazzoed, tempted by evil. Kakos, that's an important word, we're going to come back to it. Nor does he himself tempt, periazzo, anyone. 
but each one is periazzo, tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Now this is really kind of exciting, because these troublesome situations, God's not necessarily putting us through them. He's allowing them. Do you get it? There's this big battle between the, 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 the um, decreed will of God and the permissive will of God, and I'm not going to tell you I got it all down pat. But one thing I can tell you is from this passage is that God doesn't what? He doesn't do it. But I know from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that he allows it in my life. And he only allows the periosmoi in my life that he knows that I can what? I can withstand. That I can handle it. Do you ever wonder if God thinks a whole lot more of you than you do? Yeah, yeah. Whoa, God, are you for real? You think I can pair up with this one? Yes, my son, I think you can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Oh, man, I wish you wouldn't have read that verse in the... No, here's, you know, don't you hate that? I mean, it's like Paul. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Stop. It's exciting, you know. But also in the what? Fellowship of his sufferings. That's really it. That's the key. That's when we really reveal all this. So Paul's challenging these guys. Check yourself out. Check out... This is where he's challenging him. Do you really know him? So back to 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Examine yourself. Are you really in the faith? Here's the deal then. Looking at what these words mean. When periosmos come into your life, periosmoi come into your life, what's it reveal? That kind of plays it out. What, how's it re, how do you respond to the troublesome situations of your life? Is Christ increasingly being revealed more and more and more in your life? Or do you not look like anything but what the world looks like? If you're continually looking like the world, then what? Potentially you are part of the world. Yeah. Now look, I get it. I have not been perfect by any stretch of imaginations. Please don't put my kids to a, a quiz on, on, on my parenting. But for real, and I'll admit that. But I, one thing I can tell you is that when I blow it, the Lord has allowed me to know, you blew it, you egghead. You did it again. And to go to him first and ask his forgiveness. And then go to my kids and ask their forgiveness. To go to my wife and ask her forgiveness. We blow it. Not a single one of us is perfect. But you ought to want to be. Does that make sense? And when you blow the trial, when you blow the trial, that God knew you could stand up to that one. You could have stood up, but you didn't. Is then what? Confess it. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I've got to move on. For time. Secondly, he says in that same verse, to test your relationship with Christ. He says, verse 5, he says, or, yeah, examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, is in you unless you are what? Ungenuine. Disqualified. Unless you're not really real. 1 Corinthians 13 says that in the, in the end times, when we... When, 
we're going to, um, when we die and we go before the, the judgment seat, we're going to be tested as by fire. That everything that, that is wood, hay, and stubble within us is going to be burnt up as by fire. Those things which were silver, gold, and precious stones, that they'll remain. They'll remain. But there are those who are going to be believers, okay? But, but they have been building nothing. They've been building wood, hay, and stubble. Look what it says, verse 15. It says, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you've got to look like Billy Graham or Mother Teresa. Does it make sense? And anyways, we ought to look better than them. But you get what I'm saying by that, okay? However, if I'm looking like the world, I need to challenge myself. But there are going to be some, again, God's God, and I'm glad he's God because he knows the heart, who are going to get there by the skin of their teeth. Rather, they're going to get there only by the grace of God, <laughs> okay? And it's not by any of their obedience. Make sense? It's only because God is God and he will be faithful to his own name and to do what he has promised to accomplish. Not because we are so awesome in and of ourselves. Let a man so examine himself. When you come to communion, two weeks from now, two weeks from now, yes, two weeks from now, it's communion again. We'll have it, Lord willing, out in the field. So pray for that. Pray for good weather. That when we have that communion, again, we're told to test ourselves. Because some eat and drink of the body and blood of Christ unworthily. And they eat and drink damnation to themselves. Second Corinthians chapter 10. This is in the beginning of this section that we've been looking at. Remember what Paul said? He said, for not he who commends himself is approved, docimot, genuine, but he whom the Lord commends. You can say you're genuine all you want. But again, it's only going to be what? The ones that the Lord puts his stamp on. Okay? So we need to move on. Paul's supplication then on God's behalf. So that was on Christ's behalf to them. Challenge yourself. Challenge it. But now Paul's going to turn around and he's going to reveal these supplications to, to God that he prays to God on their behalf for them. Okay? And so... I don't have time. I wanted to go into this a little bit, but in 1 Peter chapter 2, we're told that we have this spiritual priesthood, okay? And in it, we do two angles. We represent God to people and people to God. Make sense? And so Paul's doing that right now for the Corinthians. So he's representing Christ to them. Now he's going to represent them to God, okay? And so we continue on then. and says um, in verse 7, he says, Now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that, you should, but that you should do what is honorable, though we may seem disqualified. So Paul says, I'm praying for you that you would be protected from what is evil, but then you would be projected what is good. And there's a word play going on here between kalos and kakos. Kakos is that which is evil. Kalos is that which is good. Okay? Very similar, right? Exact same word, one letter difference. And he's going to play this thing out, this Kalos Kakos thing out, okay? Then he has been as well. And so these words are important, and I don't have time to go into Romans 7, Romans 14, but Paul talks about in Romans 7, he says, you know, the thing that I want to do, which is good, I can't do because evil is present within me, right? And so you have all these things going on. Timothy 6, that's the portion where it says that, um, that money is the root of evil, right? Of all evil. And so that's the word kakos. It's the root of, of, of kakos. 
It's all, and so think about it. You know, we have in our, in our day-to-day, you know, that's what we struggle with between serving God and serving what? Mammon. Mammon is the things that money buys, okay? And so that's the continual battle that we're in between good and evil in our, in our day-to-day. So Paul says, I'm, I'm praying for you guys, okay, that you would be drawn toward what is good and away from then what is evil. I pray to God that you do no evil, Okay, and that he goes on, he says, um, that you should do what is honorable. That's actually the word good, that you should do what is good, okay, because that's the word kalos, okay, though we may seem to be disqualified. He says, so regardless of how this plays out with me, I don't really don't care, because again, it's not about me, it's about who? It's about the Lord. So I, I don't care how this plays out, whether I look stupid in all this, or whether I look disqualified in this. Because ultimately what I want is your qualification. I want you to be genuine. And so however that plays out, it doesn't matter. So think about that. Philippians chapter 2 says, Do all things without strife and vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem what? Others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ is to consider others better than themselves. That's the mind that we've got to put on. That's the mind that Paul is putting on here. He says, look, this is what I desire. But then he says also to perfect them in unity. And he goes on, he says, um, verse 9, For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we pray, that you may be made complete. You say, well, that doesn't say unified. That's the idea that's going on here. This word, uh, kathatos, do I have it up there? Yeah. Katartizo uh, is literally, um, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting word. In, in it means to be restored, okay? To be um, refurnished or to be furnished. So in Matthew 4 and Mark 1, that's the, the disciples mending, kartizoing the nets, okay? Um, in Galatians 6 1, that's the, the verse that talks about if anyone of you is overtaken in a fault, let those who are or um, spiritual, restore katartizo, the one. Five, that's Jesus saying that um, there has been a body that has been prepared for him. And then Hebrews 11, this is the, pa- 11, three, this is the passage, by, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed, katartizo, framed by the word of God. And so this, 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 Word is kind of like, means to be framed, to be made, to be formed, to be restored, to be stored. I mean, it's a, kind of a word like when a, um, the boat would come in from a voyage, and it came into the dock, they would catartizo it. They would refurbish it. Does it make sense? They would give it whatever it needed, and they would restore whatever. So think back in the, the days of the wooden boats, they would have the cockers and all that kind of stuff who would come in and they would go down to make sure that they were pitched along the outside, you know, make sure that they were seaworthy and stuff like that. And so this is the idea. Paul says, look, my prayer for you is that you all would be furnished. You would be unified together. That you would become one. You would have this oneness that was in you. Whatever is missing, that God would what? Supply it. Whatever is broken, God would Fix it. That God would do this thing, okay? And so there would be this unity that was among them. 
And Paul, Paul ends this then with this verse 8. He says, For we can do nothing against the, what? Truth. But for the truth. I left this to the, the end, sandwiched in between, because this sums up, I think, to me, this whole thing of Paul and his ministry. The standard of his ministry has always been what? The truth. To the, to the elders of Ephesus, he met them and he said to them, I have not shunned to, to declare to you the whole counsel of God. The idea is, I have not shunned to declare to you what? The whole truth. And nothing but the truth. Isn't that amazing? We used to say that in the courts, right? Do you, I mean, they probably still say that, but it's not on the Bible anymore, right? You swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And then it was always what? So help you God. Because if you, because people believed in that oath, right? And now all of a sudden it's like, what are you going to swear by? So if he's a liar, he's a liar, he's a liar, right? But for us, the word of God is the truth. And Jesus declared that in his, his prayer for his disciples in John 17. And I want to read this for you as we go to the end. It says, they are not of the world, talking about the disciples, but he's also looking forward to us as well. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Isn't that kind of cool? Jesus said he's sanctifying himself. He's setting himself apart. Why? Why does he, for their sakes, I am sanctified. So why is he sanctifying himself? For us. It had nothing to do with his own glory. It was his love for us. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be, what? Sanctified. What's Jesus' purpose for you? To be sanctified. How are you then sanctified? By his truth, which is his word. Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It all flows together. God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus said, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. How cool is that? That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Why is it important for us to be unified? Why is it important for us to be sanctified and set apart? That the world may know that God is real. Do you ever wonder why the world rejects God? I mean, it's sin, I get it. But I wonder, it's because they can't see him in us. They see churches fight. They see churches um, have fuse over color, uh, carpet colors and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, I know that's a typical, but you get what I'm saying. They see the church doesn't believe the word and live the word themselves. And if we don't abide by the truth, why should we ever expect 
the world to abide by the truth. It makes no sense. Paul says all things are for the truth. So, as we close, what about you? Are you genuine? But even more importantly, what evidence is there in your life that would prove that? If you were put on trial regarding your faith, would you be found guilty as being a genuine follower of Christ? They had to call in witnesses. You're on trial, and they're going to call in witnesses to try to condemn you as being a Christian. Could they do it? Paul stated, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do you hear his voice? Do you heed his voice? If I am his, and if he is speaking in me to do what he wants me to do, and I'm not doing it, and Hebrews 12 says I ought to be being chastened. So if I'm not being chastened, then I'm probably not his, because I'm probably not what? Hearing the voice, telling me what to do. But we're told that God does this. He gives us and tells us what we ought to do. And then he gives us the what? The strength and the chutzpah to be able to do what he wants us to do. Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Oh, Father, help us to, to be genuine in our faith. Lord, the greeting one another with a holy kiss was just a display as well of their unity for one another. But sadly, Lord, we can, we can greet one another with a smile and with a, with a charming word, and yet within ourselves have knives ready to, to stick in their backs. Forgive us for that, Lord. Help us to be one as you are one. Lord, I pray that we would be truly a genuine body of believers, that you would be revealed in us and through us. Lord, if there's achiness in us, Lord, help us to not be hypocritical in it, but help us to pray for one another, that you might be exalted. Lord, I pray that the neighborhood surrounding this assembly would see a body of believers that love you and who love them and that they would be drawn to you through us. May that be in our neighborhoods each as well, Lord, and that you would receive the glory in Christ's name. Amen.